G'day everybody and welcome back to a live and dangerous Wind Against Tide. I don't know if you know this, uh, well everyone probably does know this, but there's some crazy thunderstorm activity going on tonight and I reckon it just affected our network, Joey. It wouldn't let us go live for a second. Well, there's no thunderstorms here, Davey. It's good to be back at Pod HQ. It's been a long time. We've got quite a bit to catch up on. Uh, Dave and I have been uh, travelling We've been, uh, Dave's been at the boat show, big, big show uh, for you guys tonight. Mate, it's been a while. Yeah, we haven't actually um, done a live feed since back before the Melbourne boat show, uh, which, you know, big thanks to everyone that came down and said g'day there. We were absolutely crazy busy run off our feet for three and a half days. Uh, Joe didn't bother showing up, but we did have Joni Yick come over, uh, Dave Jurisic, Suraj, the main man, helped us out. My beautiful wife, Madeline, and my brother, Will, and I'm probably forgetting someone, but we had heaps of help and uh, it was a great event, Joey. And some fantastic sponsors as well. Uh, had, had a lot of gear as well available at the stand. We did. Lots of merch. Giveaways courtesy of Shimano and fishing online in Hastings was fantastic to put some smiles on some dials, Joe. So beautiful weather, beautiful boats. It was a good time. Now, what were you doing, Joe, while the rest of us were checking out the Melbourne Boat Show? I was uh, I was at a wedding in Thailand. Uh, my dear friends, uh, Jason and Tanya from Superband, they got married um, in Thailand in luxury. But that didn't stop me from doing all things to do with fishing. Um, I booked a, a day at Exotic Thailand, uh, sorry, Exotic Fishing in Thailand. Uh, for those who haven't seen the video up on our channel from... Or last year, it's uh, it's a lake on in the middle of the uh, Thai jungle, right at the uh, up at the top at Phuket, and it's five acres the property, and there's over seventy freshwater predator species there. It's a man-made lake, and there's it's surrounded by all these beautiful fishing huts, and it, it's basically like a giant coarse fishing lake. So up on your screen there now, I'm holding um, beautiful uh, rips or catfish. Uh, it's called a ripsaw catfish, as you can see down uh, the the lateral line of the fish. There, it's um, it's it's very very sharp, um, which I'm wearing. Why I'm wearing the big overgrown gardener's gloves there because uh, that is like a serrated edged knife. Um, hence the name ripsaw catfish. I don't know what the uh, scientific name is, but yeah, that, that's about well, say about fifteen kilos. That one. It was a big chunky uh, fish, but look, it was. It was a pretty slow day at uh, Exotic Fishing Thailand. I, I fished at that lake uh, for eight hours. I only had the ripsaw catfish and the red tail catfish. Uh, it was um, really the, the, the park manager at the time had told me, uh, James, he was a fantastic bloke. He mentioned that we were coming at the back end of the monsoon season, so it's very humid and it had been raining and also living in this massive lake is bait fish um, and what happens at the back of the monsoon season, a lot of the bait fish are spawned. So all the giant predators, you know, the arapaima, the red-tailed cats, the alligator gars, all these big fish, um, they're quite well fed because there's an abundance of bait fish that have actually spawned at the back of the monsoon season. So the predators weren't very hungry, were burling very, very hard uh, all day all day long and only managed the two bites but 
literally last time I was at this uh, park back in August um, in 2022, uh, the fishing was great. In about a three-hour period that I was there, we'd caught um, an arapaima, about about 80 kilos we had it on, but it, it shook the hooks and uh, about seven or eight uh, red-tailed cats and some Siamese cats. So really definitely worthwhile checking out it's it's most picturesque place literally you get dropped into the middle of the jungle it's like a scene um out of jurassic park but uh, we'll, we'll post some stuff on our socials um if you guys want to check that out so that's what i've been up to in thailand dave so just the fishing part aj no uh extracurricular activities going on there in thailand oh look we we definitely we had a night um had a night in uh, bangla road uh, checking out some of the the local talent by uh, musicians because after <laughs> all I am a bass player and we know we checked out some uh, some nice bars at, but no we stayed at a beautiful resort and it was a really happy wedding with um, about a group of 35 uh, musos from Melbourne so we all had a good time. Uh, good Recommend. stuff Joe. Um, I've had some big news to announce um, so obviously I've known about this for a little while my close friends already know about it but we're going to have another uh, little fishing lad join uh, the standing family, Joey. So that's very exciting news. You <laughs> 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 got Sirajin on that for uh, a second. I like that. <laughs> that was good. Good addition. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, another little boy on the way. So, uh, yep, I'm screwed. Now, nah, r- right in the middle of barrel season. Joe didn't plan that one out very well, but... Uh, that's going to be awesome. Stoked about that. We'll have. We nearly got the full crew, Joe. Oh, glad to see. Um, oh, well, you got more testosterone. You got more boy making capabilities than girl making pay capabilities. So it certainly seems that way. <laughs> uh, now, Joey, I've just recently returned from uh, La Tour de Tasmania uh, with the family. Oh, isn't that a famous yacht race? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I was, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was kind of working off the Tour de France, the cycling race. Yeah, and um, I was working off the Melbourne to Hobart, Le, Le Tour de Tasmania. Tasmania. So anyway, we uh, went over there as a family and we got a uh, RV type thing. I wouldn't call it an RV actually, Joe, it was a van. Um, a van of happiness. A, Yay. A van of shame, we shall call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was wrong with the van? Uh, so it was like a Mercedes Sprinter. Oh, it sounds um, fancy. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Mercedes, can you? No. So it was fitted out for sleeping in, obviously, and me and my wife are now two-year-old. Uh, basically, the plan was to drive around Tasmania and stop it basically everywhere we could and sleep. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 look, don't get me wrong, had a great trip, but turns out that, uh, being in a tiny van with a toddler is not a relaxing holiday at all, Joe. It was very hard work. Coupled with that, we got COVID about halfway through the trip, um, including, uh, Madeline, my aforementioned pregnant wife who, uh, yeah, that wasn't very fun for her. So, um, hard times, but Enough about that. I did sneak some fishing in, Joe. Wait, wait, wait. Let's wind this back a bit. So you're in a luxury Mercedes RV van. Um, did it have air conditioning in it? Yeah, it had all that. No, okay. no, 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 no air con once oh. you're parked. Uh, did it have toilet? No toilet. Uh, did it have Wi-Fi? No Wi-Fi. Did it have uh, ice cube maker? No, Joseph. Did it have uh, electric blanket? No, Joseph. 
It um, had a, did it, it have a, at least at least a double bed? It had two beds, none of which I fit in. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I am six foot six, and um, <laughs> there was the bed basically, if, if you can imagine, ran across the back of the van, um, and I was extremely crumpled up and in. Oh, it's very Christmas Lord. from Wild Chicken. Wild Chicken's back. We haven't seen him for a while and he just goes bang with a $50 donation. You are the man. He just slammed a pineapple down on the counter. Wham. Um, so, yeah, I was crumpled up and, um, it, yeah, we didn't have really any uh, comfortable night's sleeps, Joey, but uh, we, needless to say the last, I think, three to four nights we still weren't bugger it. We parked the van up. We got some beautiful accommodation at the Lufra Hotel there at Eagle Hawk Neck, my old favourite location, and we actually oh, got some reasonable sleep. Isn't that clo- the Lufra Hotel in Tasmania? Isn't that close to your favourite of all time uh, scallop pie stop? Scallop, yeah, scallop. I keep calling it scallop. Well, when when we used to always go down there fishing, because uh, for those who don't know, back in the day we used to take the uh, Ufish TV bar crusher across to Tasmania. And on the spirit of Tassie, right? On the spirit, back before things were stupidly expensive. <laughs> back and before inflation was real, hyperinflation. That's right. And we would leave the boat down there and on our way down we'd stop at uh, Merdunna, I think it was, at the roadhouse there and they had beautiful scallop pies. And so on my trip around Tassie I was searching for the perfect scallop pie. Most people had them listed um, but, yeah, we the one we ended up selecting was just such a letdown, Joe. I was... I was very sad. How how can a scallop pie be a letdown? Has it like been it's sitting just, sitting in the warmer? Was it not that popular? It just the, the, was the was, chowder not creamy enough? It's like, just a bit. Gonna def- have to talk to me. It's just a bit deflated, you know. Like it was just a bit deflated and and just I don't know. Like well, the pa- ratio pa- wasn't amazing of the amount of scallops in there, but you know the we, pastry wasn't puffy enough. The pastry wasn't puffy enough. I mean, it just didn't. It just wasn't like it used to be. You know what I mean? So well, you couldn't even just drown it in tomato sauce and just shovel well, it in. You, you can't do that to a to a scallop pie, Joe. So that <laughs> that was upsetting. Um, so we we did go to Port Arthur, which is quite famous for the the penal colony there, Joe. What? <laughs> penal. Um, and we had a what? look around there. Penguins. Um, no, where the. The convicts were all settled there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh right. Um, so I yeah, you were trying we, to be funny. Yeah, I was. Okay. I, yep. No, all good, mate. So yeah, we were, <laughs> we're on different wavelengths as usual. So we went down and had a look at that, and then um, the other thing that Port Arthur is quite famous for, which they don't really talk about much there, is the old Port Arthur massacre, um, and. Um, we won't dwell on that part of it, but I'll just say that uh, my wife went on a bit of a Port Arthur massacre of the Google ratings for all the local eateries after we went through there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> was it that good? It was, uh, it was a bit left to be desired. Uh, so, Wait, Tasmania is famous for fantastic food. Are you saying, trying yeah, to say oh, you I, didn't have a good food experience? No, no, we had some nice stuff. What, I would say pick of the trip was uh, probably... Uh, the Lobster Shack at uh, Bishano, Joe, looking straight over the water there, beautiful ocean ramp. And um, do you know the other thing, Joe? Uh, I did a bit of a boat ramp tour of the, the country, uh, the country, the state of Tasmania. I checked every single one of them out and uh, I decided which one's my favourite. And I also checked all the good squid grounds around the whole state. Everywhere I went, I thought, yeah, that looks good for squid. So I've got that covered. Uh, Fishing-wise, Joe... Uh, 
family holiday, but I managed to sneak. Basically, last second, I jammed a reel into my suitcase and when we got off the plane, um, I went and bought a rod Mm -hmm. from Anaconda. Uh, Black Friday sale, so it was super cheap. Oh, awesome. And uh, I did a little bit of flicking while I could. One, a couple of the highlights of just the, the land-based stuff that I managed to do in between the family stuff was we got some beautiful squid off the beach at Coles Bay, Joe, uh, which is an amazing location there at Coles Bay, just mountainous ranges in this beautiful, calm, protected uh, inshore bay and um, some great hikes through the forest. And uh, Sammy caught his force first squid off the beach. I was uh, showing him here. He, no joke, at under two years old, was whipping that rod like a champion and uh, his first squid. So uh, we did a little bit of that. And I also, on Bruni Island, thanks to the brilliant tutelage of Joni Yick, managed to catch a beautiful uh, black brim on my favourite Z-Man grub. Oh, wow. So there you go. I thought you might have been chucking the muss the... The must lure. Uh, I can't afford that. Oh, the must lure doesn't uh, doesn't clear customs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why does people think you're smuggling drugs inside it or something? They don't. They don't want you bringing clams in. Oh yeah. Oh, it's biosecurity. <laughs> biosecurity. That's right. Uh, but so Joe, this whole, we're away for two weeks. The deal was I get at least one day proper fishing, and so I lined up with Jonah. Wait, wait, wait. So what was the actual deal? How many days of family versus how many free days? Well, it was like 13 days of family and one day fishing is the way I saw it. Seems like a fair deal. So I lined up with Jonah. The weather turned on us as usual. It wasn't looking good. Every day that we thought we could line up to go and I'd be in the right area, it got worse and worse. So you, what you're trying to say is you were gearing up to go out with Jonah mm. into the uh, into the saltwater um, fishing. That's right. And then as we approached the only day that I had, uh, the only day that the weather was going to allow us to go before we went home, which was the day before we left, the, another problem loomed, Joey. It was my wife's 30th birthday. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So, how is that a problem? Well, he, therein, lie, therein lies the issue. Do you go abandon your wife and child on her thirtieth to go fishing? Anyway, needless to say, me and Jonah had a great day <laughs> <laughs> out of Eagle Hawk Neck deep dropping. Um, no, you, my wife was very good about it, and she was happy for me to go get a fishing fix because I was probably getting really annoying. And uh, I've got to ask you, re- reunited with your. Old boat, yeah, bit of a bit of a trip out, Joe. First time I've seen the my old boat, the Cudacraft Gunshot, in about three or four years since I dropped it off down there to Jonah. Um, we were we've been trying to get down there, but just weather and timing and cost and all that has uh, has gone against us. But that boat was actually your child before you gave birth to a real human. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, really good to see it, and uh, Jonah's. Certainly caught a hell of a lot of fish in it. He's made some alterations, which, you know, he's made some alterations. Um, <laughs> oh, please, go go on. <laughs> no, nah, she's looking really good. Um, Jonah does, because he's a safety conscious fellow, he does have a nice uh, electric, uh, sorry, auxiliary engine on there, Joey. So it's now a twin-engined vessel, uh, which is fantastic for safety. I mean, you, you want that, especially out there in the remote parts of Tasmania, doesn't get any more wild than that, Joey. Anything south of you is Antarctica. 
and uh, you want that safety. But the the slight issue with this is he's got a bracket that's mounted off off the uh, engine pod, and what that what that bracket is very good at is basically projecting water from the ocean into the cabin of the boat. So uh, you're standing there as a passenger and just water's just hosing down the back of your legs, which, you know, uh, for, for myself who had no wet weathers or anything, obviously, because I don't wear them at the best of times, but especially when I'm traveling, um, by the time we got to the shelf, it was, it was quite rough. But it was a good reminder because it was pretty average weather, Joe, just how capable that little boat is. I almost forgot how well that thing rides. And um, as an 18-foot boat, She's definitely still an absolute weapon. I remember lots of trips in that gunshot. Um, yeah, definitely punches well above its weight, that, that boat. It definitely does, Joe. And we we caught some beautiful fish. I mean, the the good thing about obviously down there is the continental shelf's very close in. So it was, so a, it was a deep dropping session you had. We went deep dropping. It was kind of in between... Even though I still tried to convince Jonah to go barrel fishing, even though there was zero reports or zero barrels there, I still half had a crack at convincing him. But I'm glad that we didn't do that. We went out deep dropping. And um, so it's in between tuna season and sword season there currently. So all that's kind of ready to kick off again in the next probably two to three months. There's actually some tuna, some big tuna at the the, the deep south there at the moment, Joe, but not at Eagle Hook Neck where we were. Yep. Um, so yeah, we went out there into around four to 500 meters and, um, gee, this is something obviously me and you don't do a lot of because for us to get to any shelf, we're traveling, um, you know, minimum of, you know, if we go out to, of Portland or down there, it's about 40 K plus. If we go out of Lakes entrance, it's about 80 K or more to get to any shelf. So we don't do a lot of specific deep dropping. We, you know, every now and then we'll drop an electric when we're sword fishing. Um, I feel can, like for us, it's like going to the casino. We've got all of our chips on the roulette table and we rather put all of our chips into a sword or a tuna. We don't put our chips into the blue eye column or the no. harpooka column when we're Ooh. pulling all of our money together to go down the coast. No, that's right. The deep, the deep dropping rigs come out after a day and a half when it's dead calm and delirium's kicking in. And you just think, geez, we actually we just need to catch something here. So, <laughs> so you, you whack some bait, some leftover sword bait off cuts on a on a deep dropping rig, and uh, you send it down to the depths. And uh, you know you catch some ling or something, but you're not really doing it properly. You're kind of chasing swordfish and dropping a bait. You, I think if you were to concentrate on those bottom ooglies, you'd obviously have a lot more success, which is what Jonah and I did. And um, it was very interesting. I mean, uh, his rigs are unique. I'm sworn to secrecy about them, Joe, because he does some wacky stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, we, we worked out a bit of a pattern that day, which was the fish were hard on the bottom. And uh, we managed to, first of all, we caught some beautiful, actually, I'm going to get a photo up here. Yeah, you, do you have a little highlights reel? No, I don't really have a highlights reel. Oh. Hang on, just bear with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, we'll bear with we're you. We're going to get some photos up here. We caught some beautiful and grenadier he's a grenadier oh yeah oh. um which is also known as hokey joe oh and there's a perfectly timed seagull in the background there too absolutely glorious and um so you know hokey people do like to eat these fish but probably not the highest rating of the deep sea fish i'm sure fresh they're absolutely sensational usually when when we eat hokey they've been uh deep frozen um 
for a long time. Mm. And we had a battle royale with the, the big albatrosses there who kept trying to steal our hokies and our gemfish, which is another one that we caught, Joe. A couple of the, you know, because sometimes when you're deep dropping, when you're about 20 metres from the surface, the fish will come off. Um, thanks for the donation, Will Standing. That's beautiful. Is that my Christmas present? Um, <laughs> Family KK. <laughs> uh, the fish will come off and float to the surface and as in they come off the hooks, Joe, but their yeah. swim bladder's already blown so they float to the surface and um, the albatrosses and that are that sitting there waiting. So we had a couple of battles with the birds. So I filmed all this, Joe, so it's going to make a brilliant uh, bit of footage for our I, YouTube channel. I can't wait. That's going to be fantastic to watch over the uh, Christmas holidays. Uh, I've, I've got some footage to edit, Joe, because I also made sure I um, grabbed Jonah's giant swordfish footage while I was down there of his 280-something kilo swordfish. Oh, yeah. Is it going to be like a River Monster-style uh, <laughs> yes. interview and like, with, the, like the slow music and, you know, like Jonah's like in a pitch black studio? With, and with, yes. like all, all in casual clothes and then it'll just switch to him like grinding on a rod. With, with Jonah the scientist. We could release that on Netflix. We actually could. Um, <laughs> so do you know I heard an interesting fact this week and I don't know if it's true. Apparently uh, that Jeremy, uh, what's his name? Jeremy. Jeremy River Monster. Whatever his last name is. He stopped filming that episode because he literally caught all, all the River Monsters. Oh, he's just ticked that, the box. That series, so it's 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 done. He caught them all. Game over. So, yeah, another little photo here, Joey. I thought I'd get a shot in front of the old boat with my little boy. A memento to keep for uh, when I'm old and grey and don't fish anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fantastic end to a uh, up and down trip, I would say, Joey. But, um, yeah, fantastic. I didn't actually get to eat any of this fish because it was the last day before – where you went home on the plane. So that was very sad to not get to dine on some of those delicacies. That's a, that is shattering. All those tasty deep deep sea fish and you didn't get to eat them. That's right. Yeah, no, I didn't get to eat any of it. I was, I, I was stuck with the uh, Lufra Hotel $37 Hawaiian Palmer Joe. $37. Well, pineapple doesn't belong on a Palmer. What the hell? Seriously. Not for $37, it doesn't. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to mention that day, Joe. We only really got to go out for about six hours because it was a ginormous low tide at Eagle Hawk Neck Pirates Bay and uh, we were a bit worried about the surge on the boat ramp. Uh, so we couldn't come in on the dead lows. So that was just another little addition to the day we had to work around. So, you know, we made it happen. We got out there and we caught some fish. And then whilst I was grabbing some beautiful drone footage on the uh, when we came in, Joe, uh, we had a bit of an incident. They don't call it Eagle Hook Neck for something for, for no reason, my friend, because here I am piloting the drone around, and as you can see, we've been attacked. Man, that was like lightning. That's like that's like uh, Luke Skywalker and the Death Star. So, a- anyone standing there with me on the dock as I was flying that drone around would have audibly heard me screeching out, Oh, God, we're going down, we're going down. <laughs> And the drone was dropping towards the water and would not respond to my <laughs> to my movements. But uh, eventually she righted herself and away we went, Joey, back up into the sky. It's like the it's like the uh, X Wings uh, droid just got freaking taken out. Wow! That's right. So our our <laughs> our crash insurance that we took out on the drone nearly had to come in handy. But 
Um, there was also uh, quite a close call with a yacht mast. Um, <laughs> Look, DJI, um, dr- DJI drones, it's, it's literally like a video game. You take out this insurance policy on your drone and it's just like Super Mario Brothers. You've got three lives um, before it's game over. So <laughs> definitely if you've got a drone, worth taking out um, some insurance because, um, yeah. Especially it, if you're as reckless as we are. Oh, yeah, we're totally daredevils. And I can tell you landing a drone on a moving boat is very difficult. Yeah. Well, luckily you're like six foot seven and it's you just put your arm up and... They call me the drone catcher. <laughs> it I is. Just grab it out of the air. I love it. So, yeah, that's a, I hope that sort of gives you the picture of that little trip, Joe. A uh, little bit of casual fishing and then we had one glorious day on the deep blue which got the, the fishing out of the system and just reminded me how beautiful that part of Tasmania is. Awesome, Davey. Now, since that trip we've been out a couple of times haven't we joe we have um we've been enjoying what is left of the victorian snapper season and last week in particular we were out with uh suraj and chris mr king kong donkey kong himself um who's been absolutely slamming the snapper land base he's had a phenomenal snapper season land based off the stones but uh, he wanted to reunite with us and go fishing in his favourite boat with his favourite captain, Captain Dave. Um, the, th- the thing is, Joe, he's caught more and bigger snapper on that on the rocks than we have caught in the boat. Um, albeit we haven't been able to get out very much, but he's had days where he's caught six, seven, eight fish over 70 centimetres, bagged out and uh, had to leave them biting. Uh, he literally just came out on the boat because he wanted to eat food with his friends and drink wine and be merry. And yeah. which is a lovely philosophy too. It is. And he really enjoys it as well. He, he is. You know, I, we, we, you sent me a message afterwards. Um, we're about to show the video of what actually unfolded. But the day after he was just like, Joe, I had uh, great food, good company and a, and a few drinks. And uh, that's what, what he really enjoys. Sometimes we, like Dave and myself, um, we're groomed to be like super competitive, very results driven um, in fishing. But sometimes it is nice to come back to earth and actually just enjoy it for what it is in its most basic form, um, which is you know, enjoying with friends, a bit of sanctuary, a bit of peace and quiet and yeah, enjoying enjoying each other's company. So, yeah. Beautifully put, Joe. Anyway, things went awry on this particular trip. <laughs> uh, we, we'd been sitting there for some time. We'd just eaten delicious goat curry, which, you know, may not spring to mind as your first boat snack, but it's bloody delicious. And uh, so a reasonable snapper of about three to four kilos tears off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, and everyone was so polite on board, in fact. We were just, oh. Dave was about to pull the rest of his hair out. Don't do this on my boat or anyone's boat. Do not be all, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. And all no, the, no, all the rods are nibbling at this and, point. And, and the n- rod's n- buckled and by the time someone picks it up, you've dropped the fish. Grab the freaking rod, sort out who's going to wind in later, keep the line tight. Nothing annoys me more than damn polite people, Joe. That should be <laughs> grind my gears, actually. <laughs> we now go to Peter Griffin for you know what really grinds my gears. Yeah. Yep. No, grinds my gears. So <laughs> anyway, we did a bit of that. Um, anyway, luckily this snapper engulfed the bait, so it was hooked very well. Well, it did. It engulfed the bait so much, this particular snapper, 
the hook had gone right through its cheek. So literally it was like monofilament line was was in it. But as a result, you had two uh, 5.0 suicide hooks uh, dangling. F- fla- flapping well, and one. dangling and, yeah, flapping flapping in the air. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm there and uh, I'm, I'm going to get my camera to get some shots of this fish and I'm thinking to myself, why is there three grown men holding that snapper in the air and trying to get the hook out? It looks in very, the net? It looks very awkward. Um, anyway, I think I think to myself, should I tell them to put the snapper down and stop doing that? And I think, no, Dave, don't be a control freak. So I go into the cabin to get my camera out and next thing I hear is Suraj says, oh, no, mate. I turn around and, yep, he's got a 5-0 hook lodged through his thumb. So maybe we'll play this video now, Joey. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Up on your screen now. Oh, no. Suraj. This, this is going to push it through a bit more. He's shocked. Can, 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 you, can you remove it? Oh. Yeah, you got to push the bar through. <laughs> no, no. Maybe no, no, it's going to go through that way, Dave. Uh, Thinking about Let's snipping the barb. Dave had to hold yeah, his yeah. finger. He's pushing the hook through his finger. Any detail? We got it out. Got some snap on mine. Oh, this is the best part. Lucky time, mate. It's given blood in the sea. It's going to take a lot of blood out. Cheers. So that is the attitude of Suraj. Doesn't care about the hook in his finger. Goes back to wanting to catch snapper. What did he say? Uh, this yeah, thumb, did. this thumb's taken a lot of blood yeah. out of it, and now it's going to take it from the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 interesting thing about that, Joe, is by pure chance, just before we went fishing, I happened to put a pair of side cutters in my pocket. So somehow I must have known something was going to go awry. Realistically, it's because I put some shark traces in the boat because of all the bronze whales around at the moment. I thought, well, we might drop a shark bait and then I'll need the side cutters to cut the trace. So very lucky that I had that in my pocket. And the hook, so the barb wasn't completely through his thumb. So he ha- we had to physically push, pop it through the skin and then get the side cutters and cut the shank and then feed it through. And the groaning here in that video is actually me groaning because it looked gross. No, but, um, Suraj was tough as nails. My initial reaction was I was screaming at Joe to film it because <laughs> <laughs> we'd literally just made a TikTok account that night and I was like, TikTok, TikTok, this is good TikTok stuff. <laughs> then I realised it was a bit more serious and the hook was genuinely straight through the middle of his thumb. And uh, for everyone that mentioned Joe, he had to get a tetanus shot. He went and got a tetanus shot. So he should be safe. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fan mail was like, "You better get a tetanus shot." But he's all right, Suraj. He's all right. We caught a few fish that night, Joe. We caught. Um, I think we ended up with five or so snapper, and uh, from what was a bit quiet, a bit of a quiet night from what everyone else was reporting. So, how not you, too bad. How do you rate the Western Port snapper fishing currently? Oh, uh, look, we really haven't been out, so our finger isn't on the pulse. We've been out. Uh, I went out just before we went away too, had a nice session on my own, had some screaming rods in the middle of the night, Joe. Um, and then, yeah, we've just been out the other night and we, we, we just ticked along slowly and got a couple, nothing big. Uh, but there was a period there probably around the boat show when we were really busy with that and you were overseas and everything that they were just going off their tree in Western Port for, for quite a while. So it looks to me like it's 
been a very good season. Um, and I think everything seemed to have run a little bit later than normal. All the fish hung right up the top of the system there around um, Tembi Point, Coronella, Blue Gum. Those, those areas we go early season, they, they hung around up there for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, only no, no, a lot of blokes that had a few good sessions off, um, the, yeah, Tembi and Blue Point. And, and only later on did they sort of spread south a little bit. But, you know, the Western Port, it seems like as the water shot up, it's tapering, tapering off a little bit, which is what it does this time of year. But Port Phillip looks to be going pretty strong still, Joe. So, you know, there's definitely a couple of good weeks left in it. And then we might see them slow down as the main spawning action goes on. And then, um, well, we know we see a bit of an autumn bite for those that are still keen on the snapper. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good fishing trip the other day, Joey, and uh, good food. And just a little lesson to make sure you've got all your safety gear up to date on the boat and you're prepared for the worst to happen because I've never had that on the boat before, Joe. Yep. Um, and you were looking for the first aid kit as well. Make sure you've got Band-Aids. Make sure you've got cutters on the boat. Um, well, I outsmarted myself because I put the safety, the first aid kit in a grab bag and for some reason I remembered it being somewhere else in the boat and I was blaming everyone that it, it had been taken out of the boat and then I remembered where I'd stashed it. And um, so, yeah, good to, good to stay aware of where all your safety gear is, um, which I think we spoke about recently on our uh, podcast with Mark Sullivan who had the unfortunate whale encounter. So that's why we had the grab bag going, but just had to remember all the gear was in there and we got Suraj patched up and he just kept fishing actually. He didn't care. <laughs> like a maniac. <laughs> he loved it. Yeah. He didn't care. I, I figure he's probably, you know, all the alcohol in the system probably just numbed <laughs> numbed the pain and uh, he, he probably was probably immediately sterilised anyway, Joe. So, yeah, so, yeah uh, interesting little, um, yeah. Interesting story it made for anyway, Joey. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got a little bit of a news update. Um, in, in breaking news today, if you hadn't already caught, uh, Spanish police seize seven and a half tonnes of cocaine hidden in frozen tuna. Yes, that's right. There's been another massive worldwide drug bust. Seven and a half tonnes of cocaine hidden hidden in frozen tuna. Spain, I've got a news article up here, Joey. A video. Oh, right. Tons there of we cocaine go. It arrested 20 people in two different operations. In one, the drugs were found inside shipping containers in the northwest city of Vigo. The packages of cocaine were hidden between pieces of frozen tuna. In the second operation, the cocaine was found in false bottoms of shipping containers. Investigators say a criminal organization from the Balkan region was using a frozen seafood company as a front to bring the drug from South America to Spain. All right, who did it? I want to know which one of you... <laughs> which one of you tuna fishing? Fishermen have been smuggling the coke. Is it cocaine? Yeah, cocaine into the frozen tuna blocks. Me and Joey immediately saw that on the news and thought, ah, "I'm sure we know whoever did that." That seems like a good idea. It's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? <laughs> well, back in my day, it used to be coffee grounds watching, you know, Beverly Hills Cop and everything. But yeah, that's how you do it now. It must be cocaine in frozen tuna carcasses. So quite the. Quite the drug bust there in Spain, Joey. Not where you'd expect to see. Yeah, <laughs> not where you'd expect to see that. Albanian uh, gangsters, apparently. They um, that's how they do it. So yeah, that's it. Now uh, Christmas coming up, Joe. What fishing are you most looking forward to, my friend? Oh, mate, uh, we talk about this uh, occasionally. This well, this time of year, you've got a million different fishing options. Uh, hopefully, 
the, the kingfish start happening now. If you look at the, the far east or the fast uh, west coast, that starts to happen. The water gets warmer. Generally, uh, the annual spawn of um, uh, the whiting fishing in some of the bays starts to become tremendous. Um, Everyone switches to whiting about now, don't they, Joe? Because they think about fillet collecting in, uh, in time for, for Christmas. And uh, you, you actually you snuck a trip in with your boss. Fabian, I believe. I did. I did actually. Um, went out with uh, Fabian Valella. He grew up in Turridan, in fact. And um, look, we, we went out of Turridan and up the top end of Western Port there, there's a whole bunch of these beautiful little channels that is just an absolute uh, nursery for, for King George Whiting. And um, just up on your screen now, we'll get that video going there. Fab. Whiting. Whoa, that's a nice whiting. Yep. Some beautiful whiting. Up, up to mid-40s, in fact. Mid-40s? Yep. Brent is in King George whiting. And there was some huge trevally about as well. I caught my biggest ever um, trevally also. That that was that was about 40-odd centimetres also. Silver trevally, that is. And, um, yeah, just a good feed of whiting. But, yeah, that top end of Western Port, um, I haven't really fished it that much, but... Absolutely sensational for uh, King George Whiting. And um, Fab has just got that place uh, wired. He actually, um, back in the day, fished with Jack Yabby Wells, which was um, oh, famously... Uh, old Yab Dog. Yeah, he was famously written about in Rex Hunt's uh, book that he used to... Uh, the, the, look, he used to have uh, crumpets. He worked at the crumpet factory. And um, they used to use uh, the off bits of crumpets and put tuna oil in it and burly up the whiting. Sounds like a ye olde Turret and Fishing Club story, Joe. Yeah. Do you so so give us some whiting catching techniques then, will ya? So well, our best was, Yeah. Yeah. Um it was the run out tide. So as we know in Western Port, if you targeting those uh, skinny little channels, it's fantastic to go on the run out tide because a lot of the uh, food sweeps off those uh, shallow mud banks and if you position the boat you know sort of on the drop off of those skinny channels literally all the nutrients sweep off the banks and the outgoing tide and sitting the, the fish follow the food there but then also you'll be sitting with your uh, pippy bait or we were using a combination of pippy um, and uh, Californian squid cocktail and you've got delicious bait at the bottom of the drop-off with that um, outgoing tide, and that's where we were intercepting the whiting. Um, Fab, he doesn't use burley when he goes whiting fishing, doesn't believe in it. Um, he believes in positioning the boat um, in the right stage of the tide, in the right location. He doesn't burley. No, doesn't burley. That's, that's controversial, Joe. Yep, he says it gets too much of the, brings in the rubbish fish, brings in the leather jacket and the parrots. And all the undesirables. And, yeah, we didn't burly and we did all right. Now, is Fabian and yourself circle hooks or long shanks? He was using black magic circle hooks um, on the whiting. Oh, don't know why you had to mention the brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a bit of a paid promotion, Joe. No, it's not. It's the, yeah, that was a black magic uh, circle. That's what the packet says. We are not, we're not sponsored. No. Yes. Um, but yes. we're, we're open to it. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, circle hooks. I like circle hooks when I'm whining fishing too, Joe. Uh, I've got – like they they hooked – look, and, and the bite we 
they were very timid, the whiting. We'd just see tap, tap. You had to hold the rod in your hand. Um, no good when whiting fishing, leaving the rod in the rod holder because sometimes you've only just got half a second to uh, strike with the whiting. Look, I know you're not supposed to strike with circle hooks, but um, now we we had to hit these uh, little whiting because they were slurping those pippy cocktails um, like uh, – like me on a good margarita at the Crown when I'm playing in the band. I really wondered where you were going to go <laughs> with that one. So that was, yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, circle hooks, you're they right, were good. You're... But the only thing I didn't like about circle hooks, like if a leather jacket comes and takes down your circle hook, like you're going to lose everything. But I don't know, I guess it's not that, you know, it's not like big game fishing or snapper ah. fishing. If you lose a hook when you're whiting fishing, very easy to tie one on. Anyways, my two cents. I enjoyed it. The only issue I saw there was your terrible whiting stacking technique at the cleaning tables, Joe. You know, you're supposed to have them nicely laid out and in like a pyramid. It looks like you just flung them on the table there. I wasn't really happy with it. I was freestyling. Yeah. Yeah, no, not so much into it. Um, I'm into whiting pyramids. Yeah, no. Uh, We'll get out and we'll catch some pyramids of whiting. Yeah. Shortly to, to eat. Because they're delicious. Oh, but I got to tell you what a new new serving suggestion for um for whiting. It was actually uh, Brent Day on board. We Brent Day is a fellow real estate agent. Uh, works oh. at our Cranbourne office. He's got a TikTok account. We he put he put his us fishing live on TikTok, and we had like four thousand people watching. But that's that's one story. But he cooked up his whiting. Um, so we, we filleted the whiting, took it home. And he made a whiting fish taco with uh, like some tartare sauce and like deep fried the whiting with a bit of um, yeah with a lime squeezed and a little soft tortilla with a a uh, what's the Mexican beer Corona <laughs> so yeah Corona whiting fish taco with a Corona on a balmy summer's night like Ooh. I I, co- I copied it. As well, a few days later, I said, that's brilliant. I made my own whiting soft fish taco and had a Corona as well and it was just beautiful. That's that, that that's uh, great tips there, Joe. So we were talking about the Christmas period coming up. So we've, we've mentioned whiting quite well there. Uh, we've got another exciting couple of species that will be coming into play very shortly, if not already, kingfish and tuna for the offshore aficionados. Yeah, I'm hearing whispers that they have been spotted out there. No, Definitely some, some, some school s- fish. Sunning, sunning tuna. Oh, Not blind, they're, they're out there. You can see them with your eyes. A very good source. The very frustrating one. So a friend of yours actually caught some the other day off Barwon Heads, I'm told. Yeah, I, he didn't say the location, but oh, that, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have heard of a few whispers. And when I was told about this a couple of weeks ago, I said, please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say, please, God, no? We need a, we need a break. We need a break from tuna, please. We really do. It's it's an all-year year thing, Joe, and we need a bit of a break. We need to stop doing stupid hours, run, burning fuel, running up servicing costs. It's uh, It gets a bit out of control. It's a nice change when you just putt out and you get stuck into a few snapper or whiting, Joe. So uh, for me, I'm happy to hold off a bit longer for them. But anyway, they're out there if you want to go for it. The kingfish... So did you know at the moment, Joe, there's like some um, offshore, the East Coast current is abnormally warm? Yes, I did catch that. It was something like a, a marine heat wave, heat wave. in Tasmania. Yes, yes, that's the terminology. Yep. So it's pumping down the East Coast. So they're seeing some weird stuff. 
So uh, apparently there's like sea snakes washing up on the beach at the south coast, which are usually a tropical thing. And um, Tassie, the kingfish are already firing hard down there in the in the southeast of Tassie. So they've maybe bypassed or we just haven't found them yet, us, and they've gone straight down there on that hot current, Joe. So I wonder if the mahi-mahis are back off Portland again. Well, they probably will be next year, even though that's current comes from the other direction. But anyway. Okay. That's the Lou Wind. Oh. So anyway, we, we could see some strange stuff. We could, see, we could see some good marlin fishing. It's been a couple of years since we've had a good marlin bite in Victoria. That could happen again. And it could be an amazing East Coast kingfish bite this year. Yes, 100%. Could be, you know, some of those uh, reefs, like the Tamboon, Marlow, the Prom. Yep. Shane's saying target zero tuna as opposed to 100. And you know what? I'd, <laughs> if we could achieve that, uh, that would be even more astounding than if we did catch 100. For us to not catch a single one, I don't think we'll be able to resist for too long, Joe. No, we won't. There was nothing. We just had the a time of our lives, uh, uh, you know, slow popping those poppers and watching those tuna jump all over it. It was it was addictive, man. It is. It's some of the most fun fishing you can have. But uh, like I said, we need a break. <laughs> it goes from tuna season straight into tuna season. So, yeah, that's uh, that's coming up over the summer, Joey. The sooner I can get back to uh, San Remo Fisherman's Co-op uh, Fish and Chip Shop, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Ah, you can't wait to be running out that entrance and backfire the Fish and Chip Shop. I see how it is. <laughs> uh, weather forecast for this week, Joe. Are we bringing Joe Bunn back? Today? Oh, sure. Why not? All because right. the, the weather is all over the place. I've got your favourite forecasting app, Sea Breeze Up. All right. So run us through it. Anybody who's thinking about going fishing from t- tonight onwards, uh, we've got a sea breeze here all over the, over the shop. If I can <laughs> look at the screen through this ring light. Oh, Dave, yeah. I'm going to need your help for up until Saturday and then <laughs> I've got it from there on in. <laughs> All right, well, uh, given there's thunderstorms around, we've got very hot, humid, unstable weather currently, Joe. I hate this humid weather. I used I, some really tech tech words then, didn't I? I sound like a weather forecaster. I hate humidity. I have to have a shower like every five minutes. I love it. I actually love it. I feel like I'm in tropical Queensland. Yeah, nice. So I don't mind it, even though you do get sweaty and yuck. But um, Tomorrow. Some, some unstable weather, which funnily enough, you see some glass outs and some good snapper bites and stuff happening as this barometer bounces up and down and you get some random bits of calm weather, but then you, you do run the risk of getting killed by electrical storms. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, killed, catch snapper. you got to weigh up what you, want in, what you want in life, I suppose, Joe. Dave, as Suraj would say, everybody has choices <laughs> in life. Everybody has choices in life. That's right. So uh, according to your uh, favourite forecasting web, uh, website, Seabreeze, it's actually a, a little bit of a, a calm period this evening. Um, and as I said, wind swinging all over the shop with those thunderstorms. But How's it looking tomorrow morning in the uh, lo- local Melbourne waters? Well, first thing, it looks like it may be calm and then it shoots right up throughout the middle of the day and it's going to be an easterly breeze, Joe. I think looking at when people may want to start getting out on the water, we see a steadying of the weather system and some real calm weather through Sunday through Monday there, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was hitting the water, that's probably when I'd be looking at. But oh, I yeah, suppose Sunday looks beautiful, uh, well under ten knots um, for like all day Sunday from about from ooh, like six thirty onwards, under ten knots all day, 
Monday and uh, swinging around to east northeast of about uh, 10 to 15 knots, which is not too bad at all. I'd be looking at probably going out of Port Phillip on Monday and then uh, Sunday you could go really anywhere with such low winds before it races on up. It but races on r- in. races on up back to 22 knots south-southwest. I will never go fishing on a Sunday again, except I will be. Yeah, too many, too many Jiminy Crickets. There'll be a lot of Jiminy Crickets out on Sunday, Joey. So yeah. uh, that is the Joe Bun weather forecast. We haven't done one for a little while. Sorry, Joe, I sort of sprung that on you a little bit. You weren't prepared. Oh, that's okay. We've just got this beautiful uh, halo light in front of we the do. screen, but that's the okay. Studio lighting was in the way of your eyes, not to mention it was kind of showing up in reverse on the live feed, but you did very well, Joe. So, Dave, what I'm really excited for, speaking of Ooh. Christmas species, I, I'm, I'm excited for marlin. I missed on the marlin sort of this year, just work and getting away. And when I did go, it wasn't very good, didn't line up, but I'm excited for marlin. Can we please catch some marlin this year, my friend? Mate, we're going to do a marlin trip. Don't you worry. I don't think it'll be for very long, <laughs> but I'm sure we can sneak a day or two in there. Um, I, I'm excited by the prospect, like I said, with that current. I'm hoping it'll push around into Bass Canyon, swirl in there. The bait will hold up at the oil rigs, Joe, and we could see some epic bites. I mean, in previous years in there, we've had boats getting, you know, 15, 16, 17 bites in a day. Cricket school catches of striped marlin. Um, yeah. King Kong, Donkey Kong, mate. I mean, that's on. That's that's a cricket clap. Cricket scores of Marlin. I'll never say no to Siraj being played over the soundbar, though, Joseph. <laughs> um, and we may see blue Marlin pushing along May South. I mean, there was a there, back back in the day there was blue Marlin captured down there. What? Um, in the very south, yep. In in. Lakes off Lakes Entrance, Joe, big ones too. Wow, so. can you imagine a blue off Lakes Entrance? Like you would actually be King Kong, Donkey Kong. You know how weird stuff keeps happening in the fishing world. I'm calling it right now. So mark this down in your calendars, everyone. There will be marlin caught off off Welshpool slash Wilson's Prom in the next season or two. I reckon. Yeah. I reckon there'll be like a black marlin or a few black marlin or something will push in there on some random current. And they'll be caught that far into Bass Strait. That'd be pretty cool. You, you never know, you never say never these days, Joey. So uh, got that to look forward to. Look, and we had Steve Starlow on the podcast, and you know one of the talking points was about the good old days of fishing. Was the fishing better uh, back then, or have things changed? Um, I think I think we tend to think that you know the the, the world's changing. Uh, then the fishing changes. Yeah, 100%. And, in, and you know, maybe it's some of it's going back to the good old days, but some of it, you know, there's fisheries that are very average at the moment. There's fisheries that are better than they've ever been, Joe. And some of that's through, um, you know, man-made side effects of, um, you know, weather, pollution, et cetera, et cetera, overfishing, netting. And some of that is natural phenomena like this current. And it's a forever changing ball game. And I guess at the end of the day, Joey, that's why we love fishing. Yeah, I love it. Hey, Dave, how is our Wind Against Tide um, website going? Yeah, so we did what we'll call a soft launch of our website um, over the boat show. So it is up there. If you want to go www.windagainsttide.com.au, 
Suraj has uh, made a beautiful website for us. The plan was to get a shop up and running so people can easily buy some of our hoodies and stuff off there. Um, but it's been such a busy period since the boat show and we wanted to make sure it was perfect. We haven't launched the shop yet, Joe, so stay tuned for that one. We'll make sure we let everyone know. But, um, yeah, if you just want to jump on there, it's a bit of a platform to check out what we're doing and what we've got coming up and, um, you know, jump on there, Joe. It's a, it's a good thing. And also, as we mentioned before, Wind Against Tide is now on TikTok. We yes. have become TikTokers. We resisted. We resisted. We've, uh, we've now surrendered to our Chinese overlords and we are on TikTok. Yep, that's right. We are handing over all of our internet data <laughs> gleefully in return for some backslaps from people viewing our videos. Yes, yeah, so we'd love you to um, give us a follow on TikTok if you're on that platform. It would mean the world to us. That's right. There'll the, be plenty the, of new content going up there, Joe. The sooner we uh, get to 1,000, the sooner we can go live. Oh, dear. I'll never be able to fish in peace again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so jump on our TikTok and, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Now, Joe, I just want to quickly touch on there's a bit of a story going on at the moment. Yes. Uh, very sad news is there's been a um, a boat wash up on a beach at Bermagui and we're not going to delve too deep into it because it Man, is Man, it's a nice boat too. It's a Bass Strait 24. It looks like really new. It is. So that's still ongoing. Search and Rescue is out there doing amazing work trying to locate the man who was um, solo, so I'll just quickly read the article. Uh, a, a search will continue this morning for a 60-year-old Victorian boater believed missing in the waters off the New South Wales south coast town of Bermagui. Yesterday, police and marine rescue crews searched the area around Horseshoe Bay between Camel Rock and Bermagui for the man after his boat washed up on Haywards Beach about 3 p.m. So Chief Inspector Anthony Brazil from Marine Area Command said the search would be expanded this morning Last seen launching his seven and a half metre boat around 12.30 yesterday from Bermagui boat ramp heading north along Haywards Beach towards Camel Rock. About 3pm a person walking along the beach happened to notice the boat drifting halfway along Haywards Beach. Uh, they continued watching and happened to see it wash up on the beach and they went and had a look. No one was in the boat. There's minor damage. One of the motors was still running and they called the police. So um, a lot of strong winds coming off the tropical cyclone that's happening in northern Queensland, um, still affecting down south there and wild weather. So that's going to make things a little bit difficult. But fingers crossed that a miracle occurs there and that fella is found. But just a stark reminder, Joe, as we move into summer, we're seeing probably a little bit too much, too many of these things starting to happen. And um, the last thing we want is for people to go out and go out for a day of fishing, the thing that we're all passionate about and love, and then not return home to your family. So, I, I know my takeaway from that is, is look, uh, that's a big boat. Like, yeah, um, try not to be so much of a hero about the weather. Like, that is a big boat, but even the biggest boats can uh, come into trouble uh, out in the open ocean there. Well, you, the thing is, as we've heard um, from some of our previous podcasts, you just can't possibly prepare for every outcome that can happen out there and you can be as you know ready as experienced as anyone and something random will happen and um, all you can do is 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 notify someone you're going out take all the proper precautions and 
hopefully uh, everyone who heads out on the water this summer will return safely and we hope that there's a positive outcome for this one, Joe. Yeah, hopefully. All right, Joey, let's, let's, let's run the hook up. Let's check out some fishing reports. All right. Welcome to The Hookup, where we go around Australia and indeed the world for the freshest fishing reports. That was wacky. Yeah. You were flicking between our faces. Yeah, we just had to uh, fill in the time. I enjoyed it. For the people who were watching at home. I wasn't ready for it, but I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, The Hookup, we're going to run through it quickly because we've got a couple of questions come in as well. So, Snapper, Western Port, as we mentioned, tapering off slightly, still some great fish around. You find you'll get your big knobby-nosed male snapper usually in this this little period of the, the season, Joe, just a little tip there. Uh, so snapper in Western Port. Port Phillip still going quite well, old mate. Reedy from Reedy's Rigs as usual, smashing fish day in, day out. Joe, I don't know if you've been following that on the socials. Yeah. Port Phillip, uh, Mornington out deep, some of the dumps. Also uh, Frankston on the mud, good reports coming there. Very good, Joe. I imagine you'll be hitting your spoil ground spot that you love so much last year. Yeah, Uncle Tony's lining that one up for Boxing Day, so uh, uh, we'll be. I think we'll we, be back out there. We've nominated a date even. Yes, very good. Uh, and Welsh pool starting to fire up nicely or has already fired up nicely, I should say. It's always this time of year that that fishes very well. Maybe Peter Ferguson, who was on the live feed there, can give us a quick rundown on that one at some stage, Joe. Mm, but Mount Singapore deep. Mm. Always a massive chance of big snapper down there this time of year. Uh, Singapore deep out near the uh, entrance there and the Franklin Channel, all very popular areas. Oh, what about the Doughboy Channel? Is that a good one? Uh, yeah, that's – that's. Um, I think so. I don't know that area that well, Joe, but okay. I've heard it mentioned. Okay. As I imagine you have too. I just like the sound of donuts. Right. No, no, it's not what you think it is. um oh here we go peter got some nice fish to eight kilo last two weeks oh yes yes beautiful um lakes entrance snapper webby who's also online here he might give us an update on them i've seen some quite a few nice fish coming out of lakes this time of year uh mclaughlin starts to fire Yes, all that zone there. And I think even friend of the show, Lee Rain, has been out the last few days and uh, got stuck into some of those, Joey. I so think he was down at Welshpool. I think what we're going to do is uh, jump on with Simon at some stage and go snapper fishing. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I want to out of Lake's entrance. Let's do that. Looking forward to it. Uh, what else are we doing? Uh, sharks, bronze whalers, unprecedented numbers of bronze whalers around this year. Or maybe people are just actually targeting them. So guys, snapper fishing in Western Port, we all get bitten off a lot this time of year, hook them, see them, lose them. But guys are actually starting to drop some shark baits in the water and lo and behold, they're getting, they're hooking up to big big sharks, Joe. So uh, that's um, a bit of an emerging fishery. Mm-hmm. My Absolutely. thoughts, my only thoughts on that are they're big females, generally in pup, come into the system to do their business. I just hope that there's some... There's some releasing that goes on and they don't, don't all get hung up on gantries. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have seen a few of them getting chowed on, so they must be all right to eat. Look, there's no worries keeping the old one here and there, but it's also great to see a few of them being released because they're the ones that are coming to breed, obviously. Look, when I always think about eating a fish, I get my trusty Rex Hunt's Fishing World book out mm. and uh, Rex Hunt's Fishing World book, uh, he gives Bronze Whaler a three chef's hat, three out of five chef's hats. 
That's well. He he's a shark lover from way back, old Rexy. So um, I, I'm surprised he didn't go higher on that one. Yeah, no, Gummy Shark and School Shark was higher, but he's given the bronzy uh, three chefs out out of five. Now, interesting, Joe. You know, I've long been a denouncer of Gummy Shark being a premium seafood. And yes, we we caught one, uh, quite a nice one recently with friend Nigel. Yes, and that was on our Mexican fiesta night. And I, at that time, my freezer was empty, and as it rose up from the depths, I started a, a chant of "kill, kill, kill," and we took that one home, bled it, gutted it, deheaded it, looked after it immaculately, took it home, cooked it up, and I was like, "I was right, this tastes like crap." Oh, really? If you recall, Joe, when that thing was in the esky, you opened the esky and it, it smelled. It was no good. So we took it home. We ate, all ate it. We all agreed it wasn't good. I said, all right, let's do a little experiment here. We're going to freeze some. So we vac sealed some, froze it. And then about a month later, because um, it's been about a month, we pulled it out of the fridge, Joe. We ate it and it was bloody beautiful. So wow. there it is. Do not eat gummy shark fresh. Freeze it. 100 Kill- times better. Loses that ammonia taste. Killed the um, ammonia. Yep. Absolutely delicious. Makes so, sense. Um, yeah, so plenty of gummies and stuff around as well in the, the bays and offshore, Joe. Uh, we've briefly mentioned the school tuna making a comeback again. Uh, the, the whiting we've already talked about. Kingfish in Tasmania we've already talked about. Uh, we're going to see more and more captures of those in Bass Strait and in the bays and Western Port. Uh, Makos, people starting to get into the Makos. Tis the time of the year for Mako sharks. And the deep dropping as well. Cray season in Tassie just, just opened, so everyone's getting stuck into the craze. Cray season in Victoria is open. And we're, guys down here are diving for them and getting amongst some good ones, so good on them. And uh, that's all I've got for the hookup. Oh, and um, if you're interested as well, the water starts to get warm this time of year in the Melbourne waters. Oh, we'll, yes. start, we'll start to see uh, the salmon schools, the, the, the flip-flopping salmons, uh, nipping the top of the water, uh, like goldfish, uh, they're good fun as well and make fantastic gummy bait if you can get yourself, trawl, trawl yourself up a fresh salmon and hunk them into baits. Uh, very, very good. So, yeah. I really love that, Joe. I really love that. Question: We've had some questions. It was with passion I said that. No, I, I liked it. I liked it. Now, we've had some questions thrown into us, Joey. Uh, Joel Ryan is... Um, Asking if he will time get time to go fishing this year, <laughs> which I don't know how to really answer that one, Joel. All I can say is all I see on social media is you riding motorbikes and doing extreme sports. So you need to probably prioritise, I'd say, my friend. Yeah, well answered. Uh, next question. What happened to the school of five kilo plus snapper in Western Port this year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we well, I were. Think, I think they were there, but yeah. we, we just weren't near them. <laughs> no, no, we we happened to we abandoned that whole part of the season. No, there was a lot of good fish caught in Western Port, oh, over five kilo, I would say. Yeah, they were there. It's um, they were just they were just concentrated. I reckon this year is the best way to put it, Joe. You had to be on them, otherwise it was uh it was hard going. Uh, have you fished off the from Jibber? Have you fished off the west side of the prom? March, if so, what's your experience? Yes, we love it down there. Cape Lip Trap, Trap, Plenty Island. Amazing kingfish fishing down that way. One of my best ever sessions was off Cape Lip Trap in the middle of January. Um, Yeah, we were were, um, spraying with the deck wash uh, out the back of the, the boat, making it look like little sprinkles of bait fish. 
and we were casting our poppers at uh, Kingfish on um, late afternoon. It was, yeah, one of the most best ever sessions ever. So cool. cool. Lip Trap. But very um, launching off the beach off Walkerville, must take lots of care there. It's very sinky uh, sand. Um, launch from Walkerville North, not Walkerville South. Oh, well, that one, South one's shut. These days. Is it? Oh, well, the south is where I think you and I both have bogged our cars in the south uh, soft sand there. Hence why I petitioned to get it shut. Oh, no. well done. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Western Prom. Yep. Probably still to this day the biggest kingfish I've ever seen where it, it was Christmas Eve, Joe, many years ago. And I was with good friend Kev Bahaja and our uh, old mate Regan. And uh, this is genuinely about over 10 years ago, Lip Trap, Christmas Eve, they were freaking enormous. We didn't really know what we were doing but we were um, we were towing live baits and working stick baits. We caught only one of the smaller ones which was about 8 kilo but we had um, we had 12 to 15, maybe 18 kilo kings shadowing stick baits and we got reefed and we got busted off beside the boat and they were massive and uh, I've never seen them like it again. But um, yeah, Lip Trap in its day, absolutely amazing kingfishery, as is Glennie Island. Um, generally around now, the, the Spiro start getting stuck into them and they're always really big fish there as well, Joe. Did your muscles pop? Pop some muscles, that's that's true. Uh, and it's not just the kingfish down there, Joe. There's sensational big white. If you're going to catch 50-centimetre whiting, that prom area is a very good spot to start, Joe. They're massive. Look, I'm going to go back to my casino analogy, putting uh, all the chips on the table. I think I'd prefer to put them under the kingfish uh, <laughs> slot than the whiting slot if I'm going to spend uh, hundreds and maybe even thousands with hyperinflation. We, we, thousands we, in fuel and boat and food. <laughs> we also had one of our best squid sessions down there this time of year as well. Did we? Where oh, you, sorry. You weren't there, champ. <laughs> okay. Where we were jigging for kings and calamari kept chasing the jigs up. So we started, we put a sinker on a squid jig and we were just catching them one after the other and they're all massive. They were like doing some sort of spawning aggregation in the deep there. Awesome. And um, so we absolutely harvested them until there was no more harvesting to be done. So good big calamari fishing there as well, Joey. There's all sorts of good stuff, gummies and sharks and stuff down there, really good. Bit of an untouched secret that we'll get killed for talking about. (laughs) I love it though. It's just um, once again, you just have to go when the weather's good. Hard to get good weather down there. It is. Very windy. Uh, so uh, uh, a comment on the live chat here that's really good. Uh, Alistair Gault, take out the yellow line with a spoon after gutting the gummy. It will smell like the strongest urine. <laughs> he used a more stronger language. You've ever taken out that makes it taste awesome. But yeah, you need to use a piss scraper. <laughs> Wait, did he mean you eat the yellow line? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's saying take it out. Oh yeah, makes it You're taste lunatic. awesome. Yeah, and don't eat the <laughs> don't eat the yellow line inside the gum. Um, and Nigel has asked, what was the jerry can to blue eye ratio on this trip out with Jonah? Jonah's notorious for bringing a billion things on his boat, and uh, there's not much deck room available because there's normally jerry cans. There's uh, burley. There's uh, eskies. There's all sorts of stuff going on in that boat. Do you need me to whip out the Jerry Seinfeld theme on the base? Mm, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we, we were shark belly and everything that trip as well, Joe, so there wasn't much deck room. We did. We had one very large dopey blue shark come up and swim around the boat a few times. Oh, they're curious 
he was curious, but I wanted to get some good footage of him and he just stayed out of my camera range, which I was spewing about. So, yeah, we missed out on getting some good shots of him. But, yeah, no, there wasn't much uh, deck room at all on that little boat. I nearly fell over on the blue ice line many times. Ooh. It was quite challenging. Are they slimy blue ice? Oh, very slimy. Very, very slimy, Jeff. And And just... Looping back on blue eye, you, you really like eating them, don't you? You said they're good, yeah? Yeah, they're sensational. They're actually a really good sports fish as well. Like they go really hard and they'll pull the whole way to the surface, surface too. What, even when you've pressed the button on the electric reel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, The electrics really struggles at times. It's hard work watching it, <laughs> i got to say. And uh, interesting thing about blue eyes, they'll be, they can be caught quite a long way off the bottom sometimes, Joe. So they, they can feed almost, um, well, nearly mid-water but, you know, Quite a long way off the, off the bottom in the scatter layer there. They're not yeah. afraid to come off the, off the bottom. Yeah, nice. Semi-pelagic nearly. So, yeah, that's all the questions we have for this evening. A um, couple of other little points. There's some more exciting news that I'll touch on a little bit more in the coming weeks. I've actually got a new job which is going to intertwine with the fishing world and what we do here a lot more than what I currently do. So I'll be... uh, This is really big news, in fact. Really exciting. It is. Um, I may announce it once I've finished up at the current workplace, I think. Do you think, Joe? Is that a good idea? I don't think they'll mind. Ah, okay. Anyway, I'll be be working at a place called Mully's Marine Joe in Rosebud and um, we'll be... Uh, they've got Haynes Hunter boats and uh, a brand called Itel, which are like a rib, a luxury rib available there. So I'll be uh, hopefully selling some boats for them and doing some cool stuff with those guys. So if you're in the market for a boat, come down and uh, say good day. So just think, if you think of Haynes Hunter, think of Dave Standing. That's it. So Haynes Hunter, Dave Standing. I'm hoping that we can do some exciting stuff there, Joey, and it'll just be it's going to be nice to be able to work in. Uh, work in the work life with the fishing life. Yeah. As we say. So, yeah, looking forward to that, Joe. So, now, congratulations, um, Dave. That's, um, that's fantastic news. I'm absolutely uh, wrapped for you. So, yeah, exciting times ahead, Joey. I think that's probably all we've really got to cover tonight. It was a bloody massive one. And uh, I, think, I think we'll do another one of these before the end of the year. What do you reckon? It's been quite good to be live again, as scary as it was when. As usual, some random tech thing nearly stopped us at the start there, but that's all good. We overcame it and uh, we are ready to rumble again. Hopefully, we'll be be back next week and we'll catch you all here. Yeah, love it, Dave. All right, Joey, I've uh, had a ball tonight and it's been great hanging out with you. No, it's, been good to, it's been good to catch up on the airwaves, Dave, and it's good to go back to our roots, uh, yeah, go fantastic. back to where we were born. Looking forward to getting some fishing in with you before next week too, Joe, so we'll have that to talk about. Yeah, don't forget as well, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're going to be uploading some lots of goodies in the next uh, couple of weeks there. So uh, stay tuned and we'll catch you next time. Love you all. Look at this. <laughs>